1: And now,
2: it's time for Inside Conan,
1: Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. I'm Mike Sweeney, and I'm here with Jesse Gaskell. That's
2: right. And we will be talking you to sleep tonight. Yes. (laughs) If... all of your other sleep aids have failed. We're here for you. Right. We're the podcast that uh, brings you all <laughs> the all the inside dirt.
1: <laughs> yes, what is this podcast about?
2: What is it? I mean, in a larger sense, it's about Yes. our humanity. Sure. and what binds us? Absolutely. As living creatures on this earth, but, on a micro sense, yes. it's about the inner workings of the Conan show mm. and now just the, I guess the Conan orbit
1: that's all under the umbrella of humanity, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know, actually uh, there was a little Conan update this week. he just uh, did a cameo on Saturday Night Live he did, yeah, on the John Mullaney show, so that was I know that
2: was he was exciting in the welcoming. Melania into the five timers club. Right. Which he is in with Tina Fey and Steve Martin and right, probably some dead people. I don't know.
1: And Ellie Gould, who's still alive. Oh, yeah. Uh, so he was in the sketch. But um, yeah, Conan hosted once. So the joke was he was saying, they're like, what are you doing here? You're not a five timer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, I'm here. I'm here to sign up for Peacock streaming service.
2: Oh, uh, okay. Laughs,
1: laughs, laughs. <laughs> I, I think he was excited to be back in Thirty Rock.
2: I'm sure he was. Yeah,
1: it's been a, it's been a while. So, and you know, he worked at SNL for three years.
2: Did you talk to him about it? Was he? Did he have? Yeah, did he, he have a great time?
1: I think he had a great time. I think he was. Yes,
2: he had to stay up late for that.
1: He he did have to stay up late, <laughs> and he said the the party afterwards went kind of all night.
2: Oh, he got to go to the party.
1: He got to go to the party. That's the
2: most important part.
1: Yeah, and he just said, you know, he was hoarse from chatting.
2: Yeah. From you know, yelling. there are all
1: these great people to, I guess, catch up with and talk with all night. So we had a great time. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And he got to wear his, uh, leather jacket. Oh, did was on he On TV wearing... again. Yes. I, I
1: didn't notice. <laughs> he was wearing his... He's always camera ready, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Even I'd notice love to that. imagine that
2: he took a variety of wardrobe options. Sure, and they were all the same jacket.
1: Yes, uh, it's an eighteen-wheeler carrying leather jacket, slightly
2: longer. It was like I have it in eighteen-inch <laughs> length. I have it in twenty-inch, <laughs> twenty-one inches.
1: The eighteen-wheeler with leather jackets left ten days before the show, <laughs> so it could travel over land.
2: <laughs> yeah, you don't want to ship those, no, because they have to be kept yes at sub-zero temperatures. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm not good at caring for leather. I don't have a lot of leather. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I have any leather. I don't have used leather products.
2: If you've got tips on caring for leather, leave it in the iTunes reviews.
1: Sure. Oh, also, John Mulaney was great. There, there were a lot of funny sketches. And he, he was great. It was nice to see him again.
2: You know, I haven't watched it yet. I have to be yeah. honest, because well, I've been working a lot. But also, because I'm in a place where I need a... I'm not allowed to watch it. I need a VPN. Really? Yes. I, I can't watch almost anything.
1: You need a VPN to watch?
2: Yeah. Really?
1: Is this a hint as to where you are in some way?
2: Yeah, that's that's the hint. Okay. Is that I don't have access to all of our sweet American content. Wow. God, mm-hmm. where,
1: where could you be? I know. And it's super late where you are once again.
2: It is which is always fun.
1: You finished a whole day of shooting and now you're yep. this is how you relax. You kick back and relax. I had a
2: whole day of work and then I had to try to find a place to eat dinner. It was like 9:30 mm-hmm. p.m. and I panicked. Huh. Sometimes it's hard to find a restaurant where you can eat something quickly. Right. And I ended up at a sports bar and I got I I just ate a fried chicken sandwich. That's what I ate.
1: All right. Well, these are all additional <laughs> clues as to where you are sports bars mm-hmm. you're worried about getting a quick meal at 9 30 at night yes interesting i know wow. clues are adding up
2: so it wasn't it wasn't the worst it wasn't the best
1: you mean your fried chicken meal
2: my fried chicken yeah oh okay it's not a place that specializes in fried chicken i'll say that right i'm not in kentucky okay <laughs> who's our guest tonight it was, we'll say it's night. it feels like a late night sure yes. vibe yeah, here. Yeah,
1: yeah 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 yeah.
2: So as you know, this season has been a look back at Conan's entire late night run mm-hmm. and we thought who better to tell the story of that late night run better than journalist Bill Carter.
1: Mr. Bill Carter, uh, yes, he's a journalist an author and uh, he wrote for The New York Times for over 25 years and currently works as a media analyst for CNN.
2: He wrote a book called The War for Late Night in 2010, which if you haven't read, it's it's a fast read and it's really interesting. It chronicled all of the Tonight Show drama and we just thought it would be great to have a, a real journalist come in <laughs> and give us yes. perspective yeah. on what went down, um, especially because he had also written a book in 1994 called The Late Shift. And what was really interesting was that was all about Johnny Carson's retirement from The Tonight Show and who was going to take over for him Mm -hmm. between David Letterman and Jay Leno. And ultimately, NBC chose Leno over Letterman. And then Letterman moved to CBS and began The Late Show. Right. But the whole uh, debacle basically kind of mirrored what ended up happening in 2008.
1: And uh, you know what? A lot of what happened in 2008 the things that in slow motion created this new drama, the steps were taken to hopefully avoid what happened in 1992.
2: Right. With
1: Jay Leno and Letterman the first time around.
2: Don't do that. Just don't do that. Just don't do that. And then that was the exact thing that they did.
1: <laughs> They're like, don't, don't choose, you know, one or the other. Try to keep both. And then that was, uh, yeah.
2: Totally backfired.
1: But yeah, the, uh, the late shift, but when that, book came out. That was just such a big story back then. It is good to know that background for what we talk about today.
2: Yeah. So with that said, enjoy Bill Carter.
3: I'm thrilled to do it. I love to talk about Conan. Come on. (laughs) I started with Conan when he walked into a press conference as a complete unknown, as he says.
2: Yeah, you've really been there almost since before Conan.
3: An early adapter. I was in the room standing next to Lauren Michaels when that happened. So
2: what did you think when you saw him?
3: I thought he's tall mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's a very red character. <laughs> and he has a very charming personality, is what I thought. And I also thought he has almost no chance to make this work. Right. <laughs>
2: It couldn't happen to a
3: nicer guy. Because who does that? Who pick who picks a guy who's never actually done a stand up act or you know had any experience and gives them a late night show? It's like saying, okay, here you go. Go to your basement and start a show. I mean,
1: <laughs> right, but and above that, I don't think anyone thought anyone could follow David Letterman. Anybody
3: in a way that was smart. I I, I was thinking, well that. That's the way to go, because if you do anybody else, it's going to look like, oh, they're trying to follow Letterman with another, you know, right. and instead where we don't know what we got with this guy. So right. let's roll the dice. And and in fact, they had approached people like uh, David Spade and uh, mm-hmm. and he was like, uh, no way, no way I'm I'm doing <laughs> that. Yeah. I'm not going to succeed, David Letterman. No thanks. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I'm sure the nose were coming fast and furious. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I'm sure to most comedians, it seemed like a suicide mission. You know, it's
3: yeah, but but it's interesting because there's a lot of think, times that's happened, and people will. Well, it happened with Carson. Actually,
1: it
2: mm-hmm. was yeah. like,
3: oh, nobody can follow Jack Parr. Forget it. Forget it. Nobody can do that. Right. <laughs> And within, like, two weeks, people were saying, Jack who? I mean, this guy, right. Carson, is great. Now, it wasn't like Conan was instant <laughs> oatmeal. But,
1: <laughs> right, 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 right.
3: <laughs> but, you know, in, except for Carson, you know, starting out, these guys generally don't do gangbusters when they start. Right. You need time to find your footing, and, and eventually the talented people prove it, so...
1: With the public, it's always like, wait, who's this Who's this guy now they're feeding me, you know? Well, like
3: Actually, that's why Conan's opening bit on the show was brilliant. I mean, you know, when he basically was told by everybody, you gotta be as good as Letterman. Right. <laughs> and uh,
2: Oh, that was the very first show, right? The cold open? The very
3: first time we ever saw him on, on the show was him doing that cold open. Right. Which ends with him about to hang himself. Yes. You know, it's so.
1: him going to his first day of work to do the show. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's always good at, like, kind of trying to suss out what's on people's minds and trying to address it. Yeah. yeah. That is a good way to immediately connect with people,
3: you know. Sure. And, and Conan has played the self-deprecation card brilliantly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. It might be so, not an act. <laughs> seems to
1: come naturally.
3: It can't be at all an act. It can't all be an act.
1: <laughs> it is fascinating that you were there the very first day conan was introduced
3: well it was just interesting because th- there was no special reason at that point why i would focus on late night especially mm-hmm. except you know johnny carson dropped a bomb at an upfront and said he was leaving and there was that crazy interregnum where people were like well surely letterman's getting the job surely right surely he's getting the job yeah and actually, it turns out he never had a shot at the job because he'd already made a contract with Jay Leno, mm-hmm. which you don't find out really easily if you're a daily news reporter. And I learned in the process of writing books about it is that as a daily news reporter, you get like 10 percent of what's going on. And then if you report the thing down to the ground, you find out all kinds of other stuff was going on right. that the daily people aren't going to hear about. And uh, and that certainly was the case there. So. Because that piqued my interest so much, you know, all of a sudden I was like, well, this late night story has great legs, you know, <laughs> so.
1: You're talking about the original, your big book, The Late Shift, right? Right.
3: Mm-hmm. And Conan obviously is in that, too, because right. he, he becomes the guy. At the
1: tail end there.
3: Yes. He becomes the guy to succeed Dave after all the machinations about them trying to right. trying to keep Letterman. So. Right.
2: When did you kind of become aware, oh, this is going to make a great book. This is, I've got a book here. Okay.
3: So I'm, I'm reporting the daily events of what's going on with the fact that they screw Letterman over and, uh, and then they're trying to, they had a year, like eight months or something left on his contract. So he's still there. He's still at NBC and they're trying to, and they're trying to keep him and they want him to follow Jay. And so I'm, I'm reporting that and I'm talking to people in both camps. I'm talking to Leno people and Letterman people. And one of those people, I probably shouldn't say who, said to me, you know, people think this is being covered day to day and everybody's writing about it. They don't know what's going on. There's a book here.
1: Your books do read... It really is like all the president's men, you
3: know, it's just uh, that's the idea. That's exactly the idea, Mike. Yeah. (laughs) Only
1: the stakes are much higher.
3: No, but I mean, I mean, that's the model. It's Mm -hmm. narrative nonfiction, which you don't you don't write like a newspaper story where you say, according to so and so. Right. Yeah. You just say this happened because people have told you that happened. Yeah. You know. And you recreate the dialogue when the two sides will tell you what they said.
1: And so your second book, The War for Late Night, which which involved Conan, when did you start to think I've got a
3: book here? Like was it
2: <laughs> like the things are happening the same way they happened before?
3: <laughs> oh, it's it, it is interesting, Mike, because the the answer might have been when they decided to take Jay out at 10 o'clock and try to move him back, because that's when that's a dramatic thing that happened. Very dramatic. But really, I've been pushed by publishers a lot after a The Late Shift. I'd say to my agent, I will write another book when there is another book. Right. And she was like, yeah, but the publishers want you now. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't <laughs> right, right. have a book. You'll know it when you see it. I don't want to do a book under false pretense. Right. So it took me, oh, I don't know, eight or 10 years before I wrote another book, which was Desperate Networks, it was called. Mm-hmm. because, and, But I in the meantime, I had meeting after meeting, and she'd say, Let, this publisher wants to meet you, and I'd say, if they want me to pitch something, I don't have right. something. No, 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 they just want to meet you. And I'm like, okay, for, for the sake of setting down roots, maybe I'll do that. But remember, I'm not going to pitch anything. Right. We'd go to the meeting, the first thing the publisher would say is, so what's your book? Right, 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 right. And like, uh, you know, I'd be like, hey, but this one, when when they decided to try Jay at 10 o'clock, right? I said, that's a book, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. That's a crazy experiment. And and I got to see how that plays out.
1: That moment, I remember that moment. That's one of my clearest memories <laughs> um, was after the show, getting called into Jeff Ross's office and Conan was in there and they were, you know, Conan was going to take over the Tonight Show the following year. And they were like, yeah, they just offered Jay the 10 p.m. slot. And... It was stunning news. It was not good news. <laughs> Let's start in the beginning.
2: Yeah, we just want to give a general overview. The An
1: overview
3: of the war for late night. What the landscape was like. Right. Okay, so Leno is hosting The Tonight Show, and he's number one for years, right? Mm-hmm. Solid number one. Conan is at 1230, growing, getting fantastic reaction, getting on magazine covers, he hosts the Emmy Awards. He kills. He's fantastic. He's a hot property. Other networks want him because that's what happens at the 1230 show. You're playing, you're playing the lounge and you, you want to go to the main room. Yeah. Right. That's what happens. And that's what happened with Letterman. CBS took Letterman because his contract was coming up, etc. cetera. The other networks are aware of Conan and, and the Fox network had made a big run at him previously. And at that point, Conan was in his late 30s. And he said, I'm going to hang in for a while. I don't, I don't know what's happening. But no one thought Jay would ever walk away voluntarily. And to be fair to him, he was not really that old. I think he was 54, mm-hmm. which is not yeah in late night. I mean, you know, that's younger than I think Colbert is now. Yeah. So the situation was, here's Conan really wanting to get The Tonight Show. That's what he wants to but Jay is there and doing great. OK, so Jay is it, you wouldn't take the number one guy out. You wouldn't do that. So they're faced with this situation where if they renewed Jay for another contract in like, I, I think we're talking about 2004 at this point, right? Mm-hmm. If they renew Jay for, for his usual contract, three years or whatever it was at that point, they're liable to lose Conan because his contract will come up. And he'll say, well, there's no end in sight for Jay. So what are we going to do? And they were under enormous pressure not to duplicate the disaster that happened with Letterman and Leno fighting it out. And that's that was like deep in NBC's psyche. Don't (laughs) let that happen again.
1: Right.
2: And then that's the only thing they were able to do.
3: (laughs) Well, even though and I've, I've written this many times, the basic math does not change. Two does not go into one. Mm -hmm. There's one show and two guys. Right. You can't, you cannot do that. You can't work that out no matter how hard you try, but they tried. So
1: you have to pick a lover.
3: You kind of do. So here they tried what they tried was, okay, let's renew Jay, but let's give him a five year renewal Mm -hmm. and a really extensive renewal, Mm -hmm. which, which basically uh, shows our endorsement of him as uh, he's number one and he gets, he's got the biggest renewal ever, whatever. So we give him a five year renewal. At the same time, we guarantee Conan will get the job at the end of those five years. Right. The first thing they do is they go to Conan and they make a deal with Conan. Conan, don't go to another network. Mm-hmm. You stay here. You will get the Tonight Show.
2: in Five years. Yeah.
3: You just have a five year waiting period which for Conan was a big ask, in my opinion, because Conan was as hot as a pistol. Everybody's writing about him and he's doing really well. And they're basically saying, park your career on the side road for five years and then we'll put you back on the highway. Mm -hmm. That was kind of what they said. And normally talent doesn't do that. (laughs) You know, when your career is on fire, you jump, you got to move. And Conan's representatives kind of wanted him to do that. But... He wanted the Tonight Show, very much like Letterman and Leno had. Right. So he decides to take and they make the deal with Conan first, before they even bring this up with Jay. They don't even tell Jay that they're going to do this thing to him. And and that was unwise. <laughs> <laughs> because, because nothing meant more to Leno than doing this show right. either. And, you know, to him, when Jeff Zucker finally shows up in his dungeon-like mm-hmm. <laughs> room after after the Tonight Show one night to tell him, well, we've made this deal with Conan. We're going to renew you for five more years. We've made this deal with Conan. Jay thinks he's being fired. Right. You know, it's five years. Yeah. But then you're getting fired. But right. that, that's in the back of his head. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why would you fire me? I have done nothing but make money for you. But he's such a corporate, loyal soldier. He doesn't say much. He It just sinks into his soul and burns there. <laughs> yeah, it's a long a time to
2: be a, a lame duck.
3: Right, Long time. Yeah. yeah.
1: And also he had gone through that bruising experience of the whole Carson succession.
3: Mm-hmm. He had. And at that point, he knew that they were courting Letterman to take his job after he'd been on the air for a year in The Tonight Show. He knew that had happened to him before. So, yeah, he he was upset and he decided to lay low for a while. But it was clearly festering in him for that period of time. He came on the air that night and said, you know, yes, this is the thing, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have five more years, in this, and then we'll give it to Conan, and that's the way it is, so good going, Conan, and we'll see you in five years, or whatever he said on the air, right? being the good soldier. And meanwhile, uh, behind the scenes, uh, with his really great producer, Debbie Vickers, he is uh, you know, tearing his heart out over this, that, makes him more adamant to beat the crap out of Letterman and be number one. Sure. <laughs> so we, so it will, it will look like a bad, very bad decision for NBC. So that's what was the spark that set this up because they had this five-year period where Conan's doing his great show and he's continuing to do his show, but he's still in the, in the lounge. He's, he hasn't gone up to the main room yet and Letterman is continuing to kick ass and, and take ratings. <laughs> so you get to that period where it's going to be now time for Conan to take over. And now Jay is on the market. Jay will be on the market, right? Because he right. is going to leave his job at the end of the five years.
1: Now that they're getting closer to 2009. They're getting the closer. Transition. So in
3: that last year, in that last year before the transition, mm-hmm. he is chased. Now he's gets chased. Fox comes after him, and he doesn't think he really belongs at Fox, which is correct. But then ABC goes real big. Bob Iger himself turns up at Jay Leno's door with a deal for him to get an 1130 show. Jimmy Kimmel at that point was at 1205 after a half hour nightline. Okay, so they have to get Kimmel to agree to go to 1230. (laughs) If Jay comes at 1130, so Jake starts to court Jimmy Kimmel, which was bizarre because Kimmel had just eviscerated him on the air usually, (laughs) but he, but he does. And he basically tells Kimmel, listen, I won't be doing it that long. You're much younger than me. You know, you go back to 1230. I go to 1130 and we, we, we dominate together. And Kimmel basically agrees. He's like, you know, I'm after nightline now, which is a bad lead in for me. I'll probably be much more solid if Leno has the show. So against his somewhat, in his nature, which was that he thought Jay was kind of a hack. That's what he thought. Uh, he decides he's okay with that. So they have a very significant situation that ABC will take Jay Leno. And NBC, of course, hears all this and knows this is going on. And they now start to panic because they're like, well, we're going to give the show to Conan, but now Jay is going to be our competition at 1130. Right. You know, and then we have to find a 1230. So we could really be in the soup here if this doesn't work out, you know, with Conan, even though as a network that was dedicated to appealing to the demo, Conan was the, the right play for that because his audience was so much younger. Mm-hmm. The median age for Conan's audience was so much younger than Letterman and Leno mm-hmm. that it made sense for NBC to have him as a host. But they were afraid because they thought Leno will get very big numbers. And The Tonight Show isn't supposed to just win in the demo. It's supposed to be the show. It's supposed to be the franchise. Right. The dominant show. And so that's in their head. And they're sweating this out and they don't know what to do. And and Jeff Zucker goes to Jay with the usual pitches, the same kind of pitches that NBC made to Letterman to try to keep him. They make to... To Jay, we'll give you primetime specials. We'll give you they first they offered him an eight o'clock, half hour show five nights a week. That was the first idea. <laughs> eight, 8 p.m. And Jay's like, I don't think that's right for me. That's not nah, that's not right for me. And he basically held the cards here because they were stuck. They didn't want to have to face. They thought they'd lose to Letterman. I mean, to Letterman and Leno at first, if, if with Cohen, because they said it, it's going to be a transition, et cetera. Will I will be in third place? So then Jeff Zucker came, who I don't know anyone else who's really emphasized this, but the idea of putting Jay at a strip at 10 o'clock was not the first time Zucker thought of that, because in a previous moment when Letterman's contract was coming up, he pitched that to the Letterman people. Oh, oh. Come to NBC you know, and <laughs> I... And I'll give you a 10 o'clock show. He, he had pitched that previously. Oh, wow. How'd that go? <laughs> well, I'm, obviously, both Letterman and Leno had the same reaction, which is like, right. I don't belong in primetime. I'm a late night guy. And right. there's something about this kind of show that really belongs in late night, not at 10 o'clock. But when presented with the possibility, Letterman, I mean, Leno finally starts to say, well... I can stay where I am, I don't have to leave my studio, I can keep the same staff, mm-hmm. you know, all the people with NBC contract can stay. He didn't really want to go to another network and start right. over. He he did not want to do that. So he <laughs> he sort of reluctantly goes along with this. And the, And the situation is now reversed because- Wow.
2: They're like, it's much different this time.
1: Let's get both guys really, really angry and then see what happens. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, because of my connections with all this, I get word that they're giving Jay this ten o'clock show. Right. Right.
2: they yeah, like, we wanted to give you advance notice because we know you're writing a book.
3: <laughs> I'm about to. Bra- I'm about to break this. Yeah. So I I called Jeff Ross, the produ- our executive
1: producer. Yeah. Jeff
3: Ross. And I'm like, Do you guys know they're giving a ten o'clock show? And he's like, We just found out. This is you know, this is a t- terrible idea. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I had confirmation. I could then I put it up on online. We, we had entered the digital era, by right? Then. So I, I I broke that I broke that story. Jay was getting a ten o'clock show, and the instant reaction, sort of across the board, was actually, "Wow, NBC's figured out a way to keep both guys." And I think because Jay had kind of defied the expectations of certain insiders and the smart money in television by beating Letterman, there was a feeling like, well, you shouldn't write him off, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Anything could happen. This might work. Yeah. Who knows? This might work. It's certainly never been done before, so it was unprecedented.
3: And economically, it was a fantastic idea if it worked, because five primetime shows, you know, hour-long cop shows at 10 o'clock, way more expensive than a five-night strip of a late-night show. Right. (laughs) Way, way more expensive. Yeah. So economically, sounds good, makes sense. And I just knew that, from Conan's point of view, when I talked to him about it subsequently, this was just, uh, uh, felt like a slap in the face because... You know, he had followed Leno for all those years and he was still going to follow Leno. Yeah. That's the way it was.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was literally just moving everything up an hour. So in a sense, nothing was changing.
2: We've rearranged time. Exactly.
3: (laughs) So that that catches us up, Jesse. Yes. Thank you. Where Bill's like, I have a book.
2: (laughs) Read the freaking book.
3: You're right, Mike. The book is, well, what happens now? Right. You you know? Yeah. Jay is getting this crazy experiment, and Conan's taking over the tonight show. What happens? Right. And and, in my gut, I was like, I don't think it's going to work. Right. Something's going to go wrong here. Yeah. And that, because I hate to say it, that makes the book better. Sure. I mean, (laughs) if it works... And everybody's happy. My theory is you, know.
1: you were the mastermind behind all of this because you were getting pressured <laughs> to write a book. Well, <laughs> and yes. so you... Puppeteered it. You uh, moved all these chess pieces. So congratulations to you.
2: Well, I was going to ask, uh, maybe Bill, could you speak a little bit to why you think The Tonight Show as a franchise was so important to people? I mean, why was it worth Conan putting other things on hold for? And it seems like this was the the precious that everyone was fighting over. You
3: know... Conan himself said, you know, he grew up, was a really young kid watching The Tonight Show with his dad. Mm -hmm. And they had this, they bonded over it. And there was something about Johnny Carson's Tonight Show that really got into the culture. Mm -hmm. That was like where show business met to discuss what was going on in the world and in show business. And everybody went there. Everybody was on the show. Nobody could compete with Johnny. He had this unique voice when he said something was going on in the world with the Vietnam war or whatever, it had real impact. Mm -hmm. So when I say the franchise, I mean, it was the, it's hard to compare it to something else, but like the New York Yankees or something. It was Mm -hmm. like the franchise that if you, if you wanted to be in late night, that's the place where you're at the top. You're at the top. If you're at the, on the tonight show.
1: And another example of its power is like all the stories of stand up comics who would make their debut on that show. Yeah. Perfect example. Kill and literally be famous by Monday. They appeared on Friday, Mm -hmm. like Roseanne, famous
3: by Monday. Freddie Prinze is the most famous example. He got a deal like the following Monday for a sitcom. Right. You know, Mike, I did a podcast last year when I did this series for CNN about the history of late night. Right. And one of the things I did was talk to comics who got their first shot on The Tonight Show. And their stories are amazing because yeah. it was so important. It was terrifying. Right. It was terrifying. George Lopez told me he's in his dressing room and his hands froze up. He couldn't move his hands suddenly. Wow. His, they froze. And another guy told me that he was so scared when he when he came out, he thought the if he didn't do well, the floor would open up and he'd be sucked into oblivion. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, man. Ray Romano said, it, it was like jumping out of an airplane. Mm-hmm. You jumped out and you could never go back. You would never, ever be able to go back. Once you did that, it was all on the line. Right. You either made it mm-hmm. or you fell to the ground and that oh. was it. That that was it. Right.
1: It was high state. It was
3: incredibly high state. Yeah, stakes. you
2: couldn't be like, yeah. well, maybe nobody saw it. Right, it was right, on right, pretty right. late. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a, because you wouldn't be invited back. And once you weren't yeah. invited back, right. it was over. But if Johnny Carson went like this, which he did. Mm-hmm.
1: Give the okay sign,
3: yeah. If, if he liked it, and especially if he brought you over. Right. If you came to the couch, if yeah. If you walked to the couch, uh. you basically had a career. That mm-hmm. was it. Development had, deal, he, yeah. So that's where Conan was mm-hmm. when he made the deal, made the, to park his career for five years because it was worth it to him to have a shot at the, at the throne. That was the throne. They called Johnny the king, mm-hmm. so the chair behind the desk was the late-night throne. For sure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I know Conan didn't want to get like he was getting wooed by Fox and, all, and but all those networks wanted him to go on at 11 p.m. And yes,
3: there was no which would be an advantage. But yes.
1: But at the time, 11 p.m. was considered like it never worked. Right. And it wasn't going to work. And I think that was another big deterrent.
3: Well, to be fair, it started to work for Stewart around that time. But it jumped to work for John but going to Fox. But it was a half-hour show and a different format and all that. It was different, yes, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: But it hadn't worked at Fox, and they were the main pursuer. So no, exactly. The, yes. And also, there was something to like. You know what? I've had such success here at this network. Mm-hmm. You know that well, kind of loyalty. I, I think
3: that's another thing because Conan was very, very loyal, especially to Bob Wright, who was fantastic to him. Yes, because everybody forgets that Conan really struggled when he started. And was very close to being canceled. Yeah, when he started. And Bob Wright stood up for him.
1: He stuck by him. And he was he was the head of N- NBC, so that helped.
3: Uh, loyalty is dismissed a lot in show business,
1: right?
2: Yeah,
3: but there is still something to it. And and for a, for a guy who's a decent guy, and there aren't that many <laughs> decent guys in show business, right? Right. Conan is a decent guy, and and I think he felt uh, Bob Wright went to his wedding for, ha- for heaven's sake. right right. You know, right. So
1: yeah, no, it's I mean that that is like kind of what the story that unfolds after this. It it is kind of like executives forgetting the human aspect almost and like looking at things as widgets. And it's like, well,
3: we still have these two widgets, <laughs> right. Jay and Conan. Well, that is kind of what happened. It was kind of like pieces, the things kids put together. Legos. Lego pieces. You know, yeah. if we put this Lego piece here, right. we mm-hmm. still have some, we're still making some. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
1: so they, they said, Jay, here's this 10 o'clock show. Right, and Conan, you're doing the Tonight Show, and then
2: and Sweeney, you said you knew at that point
1: that that was kind of like a Ooh. well, that was not a good announcement. I mean, the whole five year plan was was that yeah. that all seemed unprecedented, like in, it, it, like almost antithetical to showbiz, where there's kind of you know a surprise coming or or you know the entertainment is supposed to be new and exciting yes. and just this wait for a transition, it, it, it sounded almost like a, it sounded just like a very corporate decision. Yeah. yeah. Almost antithetical to show this. Like business. we're going to
2: phase this person out and phase this one in. Right, yeah. right,
1: right. Yeah. So my son's taking over the practice in five years. And <laughs> right. so, but then, and, and yeah, the 10, 10 PM I very skeptical that that would work.
3: Okay. So I want to tell a little story about that because 10 p.m. is announced, and uh, people wonder what, how it's going to work. And NBC has this idea of how to uh, promote it at the upfront, where they sell advertising right. for the season to people. Right. They decide to do a, a, a night of a thousand laughs, or whatever they called it. Right. And, and they're going to do a show in New York for the advertisers, right. the big advertisers, the buyers, to come to the Town Hall Theater, and they're going to have all these NBC-associated comedy people come out and do comedy right that included like jerry seinfeld Uh uh-huh conan conan delayed going to la to start to do some planning for his tonight show because it was important that he that he come out and leno was going to be the closing act right leno came to new york and was going to be the closing act which they timed so he would come out on the stage exactly at 10 p.m. Oh, so that was going to be part of the stick. Right. And Conan came out, I think, first or almost first because he had a flight to L.A. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had he got a tremendous laugh because he said, I really wanted to do this because it's this the first time I'll ever be on before Leno. <laughs> right. And he got a huge laugh. And he was funny and Simon was funny. And and uh, Jimmy Fallon, who had been announced to get Conan's spot, right? at At 1230. He was very funny. To take over late so it was great. It was great. We're all sitting there. Everybody's enjoying themselves. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? And then they introduced Jay. And, you know, Jay has a reputation of being one of the great stand-ups of all time. He is just a guy who's always had an act that plays br- with broad audiences. And but he's never been especially effective in New York, to be honest. So he's in a, he's front of a New York audience. And something that everyone else had done was do material that some material that was related to what was going on. Something about this plan to put Jay at ten right. or mm-hmm. introduce Conan, or there was some, there was always something like that.
1: Deal with the reality of the situation. Of yeah. That and why night, everybody
3: was there. Right, right? exactly. But Jay comes out and he starts telling jokes about his wife losing her cat and stuff. <laughs> you know, he's doing his act, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right. He, He's doing his act. His road act. It's
1: like it's a Vegas gig, kind of. Right. Like, I'll do
3: you. And he starts out and he's not doing particularly well. He's not getting big laughs. You know, he's getting polite laughter. Right. And I don't know how long he was supposed to do. Maybe 20 minutes. Right. But after about five or ten, he kind of realizes this isn't going great. So but- he switches to a different File in his brain, right, and he does something about you know commercials, or I don't know right. what, our, what the next theme was he's reaching around in his joke bag <laughs> and that doesn't work, and the, their plan to put him on a tennis you see the <laughs> the flaw because people start looking at their watches uh you know it's getting a little late right uh, right, right, and he gets to his twenty minute mark and again and uh an a b c executive is. Sitting in the audience, and he's friendly with—I uh, forget which NBC executives—but he texts them, and he he says uh, he texts. First text is, uh, "What's wrong with Jay? He's really off, right? Right. right?" And and maybe five or ten minutes later, he he sends another text which says, "Make it stop."
2: <laughs> oh boy!
3: Give him the light. And Jay, who never he, he had done an interview with the press before. He, he did this. We went into his hotel room, like eight of us. Right. And, and somebody asked him, well, what do you do if you're, 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 you're perform and you start to flop. And he says, you know, after you've been in this a long time, you don't flop anymore. Right. You just, yeah. you don't, you figure out a way. You just don't flop anymore. Well, he was <laughs> flopping. Oh boy. He was flopping and he was sweating and it was too long. And he read the room completely wrong, did no material about the fact that he was going to be on at 10 o'clock. Right. None, nothing. Yeah. And, People start to leave. Oh, boy. They start to get up and leave. And the the theater is an old New York theater, run-down theater. And the chairs squeak when you get up. Oh,
2: Oh my God.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So you hear all this, and people are leaving. So it winds up being a a PR kind of disaster for them. Yeah, That they set this whole thing up to show Jay off at 10 o'clock. And for the first time in years, he does poorly. He does absolutely poorly. And the next day, NBC has a meeting, and some of the people are really sweating about it. But most of them are like, this isn't going to impact his TV audience at all. It's not going to be Right.
1: An insider upfront crowd. Mm-hmm.
3: But it still played like an omen. Yeah. And I sat there thinking, boy, that was what the worst thing that could have happened to NBC tonight was that. Right. You know, and the last thing I thought would happen. The last thing I remember Jeff Ross telling me he'd seen. Jay, uh, some months earlier, some other NBC thing, he said he killed like crazy right. in the room. He killed like crazy.
1: I, I was at that event.
3: Because that was like affiliate managers, you know, guys from around the country. And you're at that event. Right. And he killed. Right. Mm.
1: I was at town hall that night with Conan.
3: Yeah. We left right away. You left. You didn't. Know. So on the, so, you found out later that Jay had bombed. Right.
1: We well, we just heard it.
3: I, it we didn't hear
1: the that he bombed. It was just that, you know, it was kind of rough sledding. Yeah. Like, you know, well, he
3: bombed. no I mean, let's face it. That was a bomb. When people are walking out on you. Right. And you're the big shot guy. That's bad. So did you
1: write about that right away?
3: Or yeah. were you just. Oh, that, of course. Okay. I wrote about it that, that day in the newspaper. Of course I wrote about that. I didn't go into the, de- I didn't know the detail about make it stop and all that. Right, know, I didn't right, know all, right. all the stuff that went on and, and backstage, what was going on. I didn't, right. I didn't know about that because there was a whole, there was all, all kinds of other stuff going on, like this Seinfeld behind st- backstage and all that. But I, I wrote, you know, he, they did this thing and Leno did not t- do well. I mean, I, I'm not a critic, so I wasn't going to say. Right. But I did say, you know, it got late and, and, and people were leaving. Oh. I, I believe I wrote that. Just so. the facts. Did Jay call
1: you and go, come on?
3: <laughs> N- no, no, he didn't. But I have to say about Jay, Jay uh, called me a lot. Mm-hmm. He He did call me a lot. And there was a period of time where, uh, when he was doing well, he called me every day. Oh, wow. Wow. And he tried monologue jokes on me. Really? <laughs> ah!
2: oh, <my. laughs> oh, man. Did you ever pitch anything, Bill? Be honest.
3: Never. Okay. I, I'm not stupid. I don't <laughs> fool, fool with comics. You don't fool with comics, right? But the only, I should say, the only ones he would tell me were the ones he thought were a little ed too ed. Maybe this is too edgy. Right. Like some, like some Michael Jackson pedophilia joke right. or uh-huh. something, right? <laughs> uh- and I said, Jay... There's nothing you can tell me that will offend me right i am unoffendable, right, so I'm maybe the wrong audience for this right and it's it was difficult because I couldn't then say to him, I'm not offended, but it ain't funny you're like <laughs> you know uh, you know, so I just give him polite laughs. and it, it really was pro forma he just wanted to go- he just wanted to sort of gossip <laughs> right 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 a little a little bit about oh man, but we had a good rela- we had a good we had a good relationship. I'm not criticizing Jay. I mean we had a good relationship. And he did do that for a while. He and he'd sort of say, "What do you hear about what's going on with Dave?" And he, Dave was depl- Dave was in his mm. head like a gremlin. You know, right. he could never, he could never get Dave out of his head. You know, and so, so that was that was part of it. And so uh, as years went by, he did. He stopped doing that.
2: Yeah, you were like, I don't have time to talk every day. Yeah, I, love, I, have, <laughs> I have to write an article. For...
3: Before he did the ten o'clock show, yeah. I went out to interview him. Right. Uh-huh. And we went to, we sat on the set. And if you remember, he did a bit called 10 at 10, 10 questions at 10 PM. I was one of his segments. Right. Right. So he said, well, you sit in the chair, I'll do this with you. Mm-hmm. You know? So he asked me <laughs> 10 questions. Right. And you know, and I'm like, I don't have interesting stuff that the show business people be interested in at all. You know, like um, who was your toughest interview? That kind of, you know, that kind right, of right, thing. Right. But I was like, this isn't good because Jay's not really an interviewer and, I, I, it, it, the segment felt off to me, mm-hmm. even with me in it, but right. but I was just, I, I just had a good relationship with Jay and, right. you know, I could call him and, and say, is this true? Is this going on? Right. You know, and he would tell me, and I, and I knew that he was when, when the show, when the 10 o'clock show started to tank, I knew how, you know, painful, what the pain he was in for sure.
1: Yeah.
2: From a press perspective, how, how was it going for Conan when The Tonight Show first premiered?
3: The expectations were good. Yeah. That people thought they had seen him do, like, so many great things. Even if they didn't see his show that much, they would seen him do the, And the he's like I said. And and he had won people over. Doubters had backed off. Yes, he's a different sort of act, but that's what's good about him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was, finally people said, oh, yeah, well, that I like. I like that it's not doing... <laughs> So there were expectations that he would come out and do a, a new version of The Tonight Show and it'd be fresh and different. So I went out for the first show. I didn't sit in the audience, but I was out there and I talked to him and Jeff. And uh, I remember I watched the show in a bar at the hotel that night. And because it was the first show, people started to watch it and they enjoyed it. I mean, it was, you know, they, there was no question they enjoyed it. So I think there was a feeling that this would be... Fine that' be I mean, remember Jay did not come on for he just, mm-hmm. Conan came on before the 20, ten o'clock thing he already he he got i don't know how many months had start. a
1: couple of months, maybe a couple of months yeah of just Conan doing the tonight show before Jay just Conan doing the tonight did show. ten
3: but I think it was obvious to me early on that Conan in the Tonight show in l a was different from Conan in New York. Mm. Right. There was a somewhat different feel to it. Right. Which is, log- which is completely logical. Yeah. I mean, LA audiences are different. They're just, they're they more different. hepped up, you know? Well,
2: and the space was different. You've talked about that before, Sweeney. And the space.
1: So, yeah. We, we would go out the first time we went out there, the um they were taking, I think it was studio one. They had gutted it and they chalked out on the floor where the seats would be, where the desk would be. And our first reaction was, oh, this is, a big space and it's like
2: an airplane hangar.
1: Right. And I I mean, one thing for comedy and, and especially on TV, no viewer cares how big your theater is. That's not impressing anyone. And for comedy, I think the smaller and more intimate, the space on television and, and at a nightclub, the the better that you
3: kind of get that compression. There's no question about that. So that was my first worry. In fact, Mike, every person who ever, that I ever talked to who came to like Tonight Show in New York right. for the first time, or Letterman, especially Letterman's old studio right. for the first time. They would say, "God, it's so small! It's so mm-hmm. small! I didn't realize how small it is. Right. It feels bigger when you watch it on TV." Yeah. Always. So, so the smallness of it plays very well. Yes, uh, you know, it, it, it in the room you feel that the small, and then on TV it doesn't really look so small. But
1: also, TV is such an intimate medium, and so the smaller the space you're performing to, I think it allows all the performers to be, to reach that intimacy Absolutely. with the live crowd. And then that mm-hmm. translates to television. Mm-hmm. If you're coming out into a barn where there's 400 people, it's, it's just a different energy. And I think you're going to maybe the tendency, at least initially, is to play bigger maybe. Or, Absolutely. no. Mm-hmm. How can you
3: not? Yeah. How can you not?
1: Yeah. yeah and it, it's, it's yeah, there's, there's no logic to doing it that way. But
3: I felt the same way. I felt that, Mm -hmm. that there there was a cavernous feel to the space. Yeah. It not only was harder to do, it was just different from what Conan had been doing. Yes. So the, so the difference felt immediate, like, okay, he's still Conan. He's still incredibly funny, but there's something about the atmosphere that's different. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, but
1: I on the plus side, I will say, like whenever we travel the show for a week during the the aughts, yes, the like go to Chicago or San Francisco, the fans that were able to come and see Conan Live that lived locally were crazy so crazily enthusiastic. It was like an elevation from the New
3: York crowds.
1: Yeah. And and it felt that way in LA initially. Yeah.
3: Oh no. The crowds are yeah. fantastic. No, no, yeah, the no, no. The it. crowds are great. No, I remember them lining up and all that. It was, it was yeah, yeah, it was great. But there was, but there was that feeling like, okay, Conan has to find his footing in this. Thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. He's, he is who he is. Right. And, and, you know, you had, you had NBC people telling you got to change, right? You got to do something different. Mm-hmm. This is the tonight show. You got to do something different. Yeah.
2: How are you going to revolutionize it? Right. Well,
3: they, but they wanted him to do something different and more traditional. Oh, they I wanted see. him to broaden. Yeah, they wanted yeah. him to broaden his, himself, right. constantly saying, don't do that crazy string dance crap, you know, or <laughs> whatever. Right.
1: <laughs> that was us saying that. Okay. <laughs> no, I no, but, I'm jo- you know. I'm joking. I'm joking. You know what
3: I'm talking about? right? That yes, they wanted, they didn't want his idiosyncrasies right. so much as they, as they wanted More jokes in the monologue, you know, that Mm -hmm. do that traditional Tonight Show thing Mm -hmm. Yeah, more jokes about the news. Ask what's going on in the news. Right. Which wasn't Conan's forte, really. He hadn't been doing a hell of a lot of that.
1: Right. So. But we we definitely were adding jokes to the monologue as we no, got yes. close. So, um, yeah, that was and he got and building. he got
3: better. He did his his own monologue performance. Right. Definitely, definitely improved right. for sure. For absolute sure. Even before he went, because you guys would go from four jokes to eight to whatever. Right. And he was obviously getting his getting his footing there. Right. But I just felt like. OK, we got to get back into the mode of, OK, he's going to find it. It's going to take a little time yes. for, and, and for him to find the exact groove he had before and stop telling him to do something that isn't in, in his nature. I don't I thought that was foolish. Well,
1: yes, that advice was kind, it was kind of broad in general. So, I I mean, it was literally like phrase you just used, like have a broader yes. appeal. And was, I, I mean, our our mission in our heads was well first of all it's conan and so you're you just don't change how you're funny or how what kind of stuff you're doing we came up with new things and and because we like coming up with new stuff and think that's right. more creative mm-hmm. but our our bottom line was is it funny is it making us laugh and that i think that that's always kind of the should be the guiding principle because otherwise where are you of course uh, and so yes we thought Okay, this show the shows are doing well, the crowds are enjoying them, and we're just gonna keep building. Uh and we thought we thought we had a lot of we thought we had time, time. To, to
3: build. Well, here's the thing. They immediately thought to themselves, We got this guy, he has a tremendous median age, young viewers, right. etc. cetera. N- n- the rest of late night can't can't compare. Right. And they but they they couldn't resist saying but we wanted to have more viewers than th- as well. He, he right. better beat Letterman. He better beat Letterman in viewers too. Mm-hmm. And with Jay out of the picture at eleven thirty, right? At least some of his more traditional viewers, right. said, "I think I'll watch Letterman." Right, because Conan feels a little young and maybe not my style. So you have this some audience gravitation over to Dave, and Dave starts to get into first place in viewers while Conan's dominating. In the demos, which is the younger viewers in prime, in prime time. That's all NBC ever cared about. Right. They didn't yeah. give a damn if if if, you know, CSI had 30 million viewers, if they could beat it in the demo. They didn't care about that. Right. But the Tonight Show not, quote unquote, winning mm. was bothering them. It was bothering them. And they and you could feel th- you could sense that that was something they were worried about, that somehow it would look like the move wasn't smart because they're not, quote unquote, winning. You know, and of course, if you're CBS, that's what you promote. Oh, Dave right. is winning, is winning because he's, he's got more viewers. So I think that was a factor.
1: And then that story, everyone, not everyone, but a lot, of, a lot of people just like, sometimes with the news, it's a zero-sum game. So that saying, oh, overall numbers, that person's winning yep. versus like more important numbers that determine. Money. Money, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Which is also winning. Yes. But that, that's not easy to spoon feed. To the public, you know.
3: But I, sh- I I should ask you something, Mike, because I think in Conan's first week, he had a lot of bits that you had taped. Right. Right. And he did a bit which was hilarious. OK. Fantastic bit where he disguised himself as a person doing a doing a uh, market research. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. That's a great one. And the market research was with older viewers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they showed tapes of Conan from his old show, right. uh-huh. and asked these older viewers who hadn't wa- weren't regular viewers of Conan right. what they thought of Conan, and you got re- <laughs> responses like, "I think that guy's mentally ill." <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was and, great, and he was in disguise in the room.
1: He's in disguise. He was totally disguised uh, A big as an, an old, heavy so like, man, right? Named Stuart Wexler. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you know what, Mike? It it killed. I thought it killed. I thought yeah. it was funny. Well, and Conan would him egg himself. them on. He's
1: like, yes. he's yeah. like, he would be like, someone would say you were saying, he's like, thank you. You know, I'm not supposed to give my own opinion, but I
3: have to right. agree, this guy. Agree. That he, there's something wrong with this guy.
1: Yeah, it was it was hilarious.
3: But Mike, I'm sitting watching it, thinking to myself, this isn't far off from what's happening. <laughs> you know? Right. Because there were some viewers, they wish weren't going to get Conan. Conan right. is... It's different. That, that's why he's good. But, you know, people are going to say, I'm used to that, you know, right? 20 joke yeah. twenty joke monologue and then a very formal comedy bit at the desk. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. You know, and then you bring on, you know, De- Don Rickles. Or something, right. Right. You, right. You know, you bring on, you know that that 's what you do, and instead Conan has younger hotter acts and will Ferrell and people like this, right, and they 're doing wacky stuff, and they 're doing crazy stuff right and it 's like the, that audience research group who are like, ah, he makes me uncomfortable ah. right so so in the back of my head, and of course i 'm thinking bookwise at the time yeah I'm thinking bookwise I hope this isn 't also an omen for for Conan that he 's done a bit that shows. What NBC's complaining about?
1: Interesting. Mm. Well that, I mean, to us we were just like this is hilarious. It
0: was hilarious, <laughs> no doubt.
1: So No doubt. You know, I we just thought it's as, as long as we were being funny of course that would win out in the end so i'm not
3: saying you did something wrong. i yeah, just, yeah, yeah. No, I just it just resonated with yeah. me that that was yeah. Sort, yeah sort of what was right what was going on and of course it played into conan's self-deprecation yeah. yes. you know like yes. yeah 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 look at this guy he's, he's awful he's crazy look at that red hair right I right, going, right i mean you know <laughs> and and that's that was great as a viewer who likes Conan. I loved it. But yeah. um, as an executive,
2: like, yeah. Because they probably oh, yeah, were yeah. running focus groups and maybe... These are Leno's viewers. Yes. Those
3: people were Leno's viewers. That's what I thought. <laughs> so, right. Anyway.
2: <laughs> well, and you're right. I mean, it, it's kind of people, first of all, don't like change, but also just the nature of of why people watched Late Night at that time. A lot of it was kind of to like ease yourself into into bed. You know, it was... Right this is what I'm going to do right before I fall asleep. And Conan's almost too stimulating in that way.
3: Well, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting thing. And obviously that goes back to the fact that that was when that was tonight show started. It was 90 minutes long. Okay. Mm-hmm. The last half hour was, was like full of authors. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> or, maybe on to help people go to sleep, you know, like that was their, you know, and if you go back and you watch one of those shows, you're like, holy cow, is this dull? Yeah. The last part of the show is so dull, but Letterman changed that because Letterman was on after, (laughs) after Carson and he was incredibly stimulating, Mm -hmm. right? Right. He was doing just amazing, unbelievable, fresh stuff. No one had ever done. So, so it wasn't like that was something people now would expect at 1130 that you're not supposed to be stimulated and Conan wouldn't fit. Right. I just felt like, I just felt like they thought the personality that Conan has, which is, you know, he's a big, funny kid kind of personality was just not what they were used to. And again, my basic thought was give it time. Yes. Mm -hmm. Give it time. That was all when he first came on, he was so unpolished when he first came on at 1230 I'm sure people are like what are they doing giving this show to this guy, you know? Right. And you just say, okay, he. There's a few sparks every night. Every night there'd be a, He wouldn't. It wouldn't be a great show, but they'd be like two or three things. You're like, wow, that I've not seen that is funny. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought would happen. It would just slowly progress. Right. And the older people would maybe gravitate to Letterman, but slowly the NBC franchise would take over. Right. NBC. Unfortunately, was not doing well in prime time at the t- at the mm. time, so he wasn't getting help help there either. Right. But I thought all of these things are cyclical. You drop a guy in, you believe in his talent, yeah, and th- and then it plays out that way. Right.
1: So what happened instead? Yeah. <laughs> Bill.
0: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places.
3: What happened instead is Jay comes on. Right. Okay. So it's three months later, Jay comes on. And even Jeff, Jeff Ross would say to me, you know, at some point we are like, you know, maybe Jay will be helpful if he hits, he gets some attention early right. and that'll help us. Uh-huh. Although Co- Conan always said, the weird thing is we have a newscast in between us. That's right. Right. The local news. That's kind of weird. Yeah. But anyway, so Jay comes on and he's almost immediately a disaster. Almost immediately, mm. it's it's wrong, and it it logically, I wasn't sure why this would be because he's doing the same show. I mean, he was, right? He had a few new segments, all of which were bad ideas. He didn't have they didn't have good comedy ideas, right. but his regular stuff he still did. He still yeah. did his headlines. He still did that stuff. Yeah. Except it didn't feel right. It felt off, and his own performance felt off, like it did back in the town hall. Right. There was just something off about it mm. from the start.
1: I'm sure he did, on some level resent, hated doing it.
3: I think you're right. I think on some level yeah. it was like why why, why am I, I having to do this? Mm-hmm. Why am I not on the Tonight show? Right, right. Why, why is this why is this now me being exposed in a way because he was being exposed in a way as not a primetime performer. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not a primetime performer and then now I'm out here proving it.
1: And I I think it's people's viewing habits. I really think they're like, well, wait, no, I, we can't watch monologue jokes. at ten. I need a
3: procedural. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you built people's expectations up for, you know, 70 years. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then say, nah, we're going to, we're going to absolutely throw this in. Right. You know, if Jay had been on once a week, Right. That would have been fine. I think that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But he's on every night. Every night you got to right, watch that. Right. And and you're already saying, oh, no, I, I, this is what I do until 1130, and then I watch a late-night show. Exactly, like, yeah. yes. The chemistry was off. The, the chemistry right. was just wrong. Right. And I don't think Letterman could have done it either. I mean, e- even no. when they were going to hire, I think it would have been awkward as heck for him, and he knew it. He knew it would be awkward. In a sex.
1: way, it was kind of like, a variety show, yes, uh, somewhat. And, of course, and that That's template right. had died on the vine. I feel like fifteen years, but like mm-hmm. by the early
3: eighties. If you don't have Charo, there's no point. It had died on the. It had died on the <laughs> vine. It had died on the vine fifty to twenty years yeah. earlier, and now they were putting it on every night. Yeah, <laughs> so right, really, really <laughs> a bad idea. Yeah. But it's funny because I, I I kept saying, but here's NBC saying we can't allow the same disaster to happen. Yeah. So we have to come up with something else. And they dug in deep to try to figure it out. And this
1: but when you say same disaster, you're referring back to, again, the whole Carson,
3: the whole succession of Carson. Exactly. That got in the DNA at NBC. Right. <laughs> don't do that again. Right, right, right. Just don't 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 do that again. They had two big stars there, right. with Letterman and Leno, and they created this hostility and friction. Mm-hmm. And and they had two great franchises. Right. It, it was so bad for their right. their corporate strategy, etc. I just think it infected the place. Right. Let whatever we do, do not let that happen again. <laughs> but it, there's a certain Sisyphus to thing to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're gonna get it up the hill this time. Right. Yeah. And this time it won't fall down on us but it is going to anyway. Uh. Or
2: when you're telling yourself, don't bring up that one thing, you know, in, in a meeting. And then that's the only thing you could talk about.
3: Yeah. It'll also be pointed out that the lo- the news is coming on after Jay and there's nothing more important to late to the local television station. At least then, I don't know what's going on with local TV now, but then their late night news, that's where they make all their money, right. all their money. So here's Jay five nights a week mm-hmm. with a crappy lead in to the late night news. And, he, and if you'd watched Jay's show, and you didn't really particularly like it, why would you say, now I'll watch another one of those? Right, left right, 30. yes. I mean, it, it really was a mess. And and, and I, again, I'm not saying <laughs> I could have come up with a better strategy, because I don't think there is one. Right. There isn't one. Clearly, the, hills, the ball's going to roll down on you. Right. There's no other strategy. Right. But this one set up both guys to fail. Yeah. Is what it did. It set them up both to fail, because... The, the affiliates immediately start saying you got to change this you can't have we can't have five nights a week of this terrible lead- in it's killing us it's killing right. us right and they're also saying we're losing a little at 1132 when Jay was doing better so we we're getting hit in both sides and they are in revolt they, one of the things that I really covered in the book was the station lineup of NBC was pressing them. To make a change all the local affiliates they were like do something you're killing do something you can't you're killing us yeah we're getting hit on both sides because you know the big leno audience would tune in a little or even they hadn't seen the news they might tune in a little early so they had some benefit and they were getting nothing but loss out of it right and they made a lot of noise they made a lot of noise particularly because NBC couldn't come back to them and say, yeah, well, we got Seinfeld. No, Seinfeld wasn't on the air anymore. Right. NBC was not strong. They weren't able to say, you can't abandon us. Right. You know, we have all these things. You're like, instead, these affiliates were saying, you know what? We're going to take Leno off and we're going to put on, a, you know, a, an hour long mm-hmm. of a show we bought, like Law and Order. Right. Because or, we get all we get all the ad revenue from that. Or move
1: our news up earlier. We'll move our
3: news up earlier. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put in a, a, a movie. Right. I, we'll do a news and then we'll do a two-hour movie and we'll knock out The Tonight Show too. I mean, all of that was being thrown up in the air at, at NBC. Yeah.
1: It just kept getting ratcheted up and up. And it yeah. it really was becoming like animals th- <laughs> thrown in a sack and then thrown in the river. It was, you know, there's just no, Yeah, I, I don't think the executives saw, like their bottom line was, how do we still keep these two guys? Which at this point, it was just absurd. It, it was. Now it, 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 was it was an absurdity.
3: It was time to make a call. Right. Mm-hmm. If you think Conan is the future, that's your call, right? Right. That's what you decided five years ago. Right. Conan is a future. Right. Jay is coming at some point to his sell-by date, right? Right. So try to extend it, but it's not working, and it's time to go. However, <laughs> I should point one thing out. Because Jay was so reluctant to take this show and was had the leverage of a potential ABC show, He made a deal that no one I I know of has ever made in the history of television. You know what a pay or play deal is, right? Can you explain
1: what that is?
2: Tell us, just for the audience.
3: And me. Okay, so a pay or play deal is. And me. (laughs) I I make a a deal to be, uh, let's say, your your late night host for a year. Okay. And after three months, you fire me. Okay? Right. But you got to pay me. You gotta pay me off because you've made a deal. You made a contract, you gotta pay me, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't have to play the show anymore because it's failing. So that's pay or play. Or play. I got it. Jay got a deal, pay and play. Okay. Oh. His deal said, No, you can't take me off. Oh. You have to keep me on. Oh. That as far as I know had never
2: ever heard of such wow, a what? it's just an ironclad contract it was it,
3: exactly i Except. would think even
1: the performer wouldn't want that like if, if no one else wants you well, around exactly
3: exact, you're exactly right mike and that's what jay thought <laughs> yeah. that you know i all i'm getting is pilloried for doing this yeah, i can't just stay on so per-
1: pilloried for the 10 p.m show
3: yes he's getting tomatoes from everybody right right his lawyer looking at this says you know what jay they can't just pay you off they can't just pay you off because they've made this deal. So you have to get a new compensation of extraordinary <laughs> amounts. Wow! Right? Yeah. Because that he could literally say, "You can't take me off. You you, you made a deal. You can't." Take-. So now they're faced with a gargantuan payout. Wow! For, if, Jay. If, if that's what they're going to force. Mm. And for Jay, that made some. You know, I guess some sense. He he. All he wanted uh, was out at that point. He knew, right? Like it, it was. It was over, and he thought. Give me a give me a deal to let me out and I'll make a deal somewhere else for late night. That's precisely what he wanted, you know. Right. And NBC's still in a position like, well, we don't want that. Right. (laughs) We don't want. So crazy, absolutely crazy situation. And they're like, well, what else can we do? And this is where we get to the moment where they decide we'll give Jay a half hour show at 1130. And we'll move uh, Conan not to 12 but to 1205 remember cuz the late night news goes to 1135. Yeah. So it'll be 1205 <laughs> and Jimmy Fallon will, will be on, you know, with the Yeah. the uh, drunks and the <laughs> coming out of the boat. He he would be on at 1:30. Oh, oh my god. god. one thirty five. Yeah, that,
1: Sounds like win win to, to me.
2: <laughs>
3: he was new enough. J, Jimmy was new enough right. that he was like, whatever. I, you know, just I, I just want to stay right. on. Right. So they didn't have to worry about him. They got him and Lauren Michaels to agree because Lauren Michaels was producing the show. Right. Then they go to Jay and they say, and and, and Jay is anticipating this meeting where they're going to say oh, you're canceled. Right. Right. The show we're getting we're getting rid of this show. Yeah. And when they say, but we're going to put you on for half an hour, he perks up. <laughs> Wait. Wait, wait, am I, I'm getting the Tonight Show back? Right. No, it's not the Tonight (laughs) Show. It's going to be your show, Jay Leno's show, but it's at 1130. And Debbie Vickers, his producer, is like, well, what is it? What is that show? What do we do? Yeah. Well, you do a monologue, a comedy bit, and you have one guest. God. That's the show. And his initial feeling is... Jay was all in. He was like, okay, uh, you know, let's go. Like, but he does say, what about Conan? Right. What, what, what? And they're like, well, we're going to have Conan move to 1205.
1: Don't worry about Conan. Piece of cake.
3: Yeah. And well, for him, it's like, well, okay. Conan keeps the tonight show. Right. That's great for him. And I get out of this mess. So he's in, he's in, He, he jumps in, he's all in. And again, now they've told something, set it up with Jay, and have not said anything to Conan. Right. <laughs> and then that set up the incredibly famous meeting, which I got enough people in that room I could really document this meeting of them calling uh, these two NBC executives, and they called um, they called Conan in and Jeff Ross in, mm-hmm. and said, "Okay, here here's the plan. Uh, we're going to bring Jay back to eleven thirty." <sighs> 5 and you'll go to 12.05, but you'll have the Tonight Show. You'll have the Tonight Show.
2: <laughs> in name only. You
3: still have the t-shirts that say the Tonight Show. <laughs> That's where Conan uttered the immoral words. What does this guy have on you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what does Jay have on you? Right. Yeah. What does Jay have on you? I remember after that meeting, I, I was at my desk. This was in the morning and um, I got a call at my desk. I'm like, hello. And it's Conan, he goes look out your window, and I looked out the window, and it was down below. It was Conan and Jeff out down on the the sidewalk next to the studio, and and he's like, um, "Come on down, we'd we'd like to chat with you." And <laughs> so I went downstairs. I I think they were just like, you know what? Who knows? Maybe that knows building's in that bugged. building. Who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, not really, yeah. but it was just like, they're yeah. like, uh,
2: yeah, we need no, to. No, I I I,
1: maybe, like, I think they were, I don't think Conan was and in a like, rush. We
2: don't want this in Bill Carter's. Run, run, get run. off NBC property. <laughs> right. <Get laughs> but off.
1: Maybe Conan wasn't in a rush to run back into the building and start the work day. So, yeah, I went outside and they just told me what happened. And I I just, I think I was laughing at the insanity. It just, I, I didn't think anything could get more insane than the. The 10 p.m. 11:30
2: mm-hmm.
1: setup, and now I was just like, okay, they're they. are there. i have never they've
2: lost their mind. It's like
1: origami, <laughs> and now they're folding it down into it. They keep folding it into tinier little origami, <laughs> and now it's just like a little ball of paper. Yeah, I, I was like, well, wow, okay. And you know, the initial thing was just not discussing it, but just kind of. Let that sit in your mind and let and let it mm-hmm. marinate and yeah. figure out what we'll do next.
3: Yeah, well, it t- and it took Conan a little bit of time, right, to see what he wanted to do. Sure. He didn't. He didn't make a precipitous decision. He, he
1: he usually he usually like something big. He'll let things marinate and yeah. I think he believes he'll come to the right decision usually. You know, for, as to how to go. So
3: so he hires this kick ass lawyer, right, and and they have this powwow and everybody strategizes what to do and uh conan is pretty adamant about it and he b- basically says he's gonna write a ma- manifesto right. saying what he wants to say i
1: think he kind of ad-libbed the manifesto <laughs> in the meeting with the lawyer and his re- and yes they are like oh that's that's how you feel i i think the attorney ms glazer is like you know what why don't you Go away and write up how you feel, and and maybe there's. Yep. And so he worked on it, you know, all weekend, and uh, came up with a manifesto.
3: Everybody in the room was like, "You can't do that! You can't do that!" But she was like, "No, right? Let's let him do it. Let's hear. Let's hear what it is. Let's let him do it. Right? Yeah."
2: And was this something that he would say on the air and he had to run it by everybody no, first? He, no, he
3: put it out. He didn't read it on the air. It was a written statement. Yeah. It was uh, to people of the earth. Right. He, yeah. he wrote to the people of the earth, put it out there. And uh... just about how, you know, he always loved The Tonight Show
1: and and was, ex- mm-hmm. you know, excited to be hosting it. And,
3: and very notably, yes. he did not quit. Right. Mm-hmm. He did not say, and I'm quitting. Well, that would have been... He did not do that.
1: That w- would have been uh, a, a legal
3: situation. A very <laughs> poor decision legally. Yeah, then you don't get
2: unemployment.
1: Right, exactly.
3: <laughs> that they, had to, they had to deal with his contract and deal with his situation. The, he wasn't giving them the easy out of quitting. Right. He was saying, this is unacceptable to right. me. Mm-hmm. That's what he was basically saying.
1: And so you know, the statement, he got it just the way he wanted it and went out at 12 noon and kind of uh, everybody picked it up. When did you, what was your relationship to this story at this time?
3: Well, it was, it was a little weird because, you know, they have a, a, a press tour that takes place in January and for TV critics and it was going on at this time crazily. Okay. So I was in LA getting, you know, updates constantly. And I'm talking to Gavin Pallone, his manager. Conan's manager. And Jeff and everybody. And I'm talking to NBC. I'm talking to Jeff Gaspin, whose idea was this crazy new configuration. Jeff Gaspin was NBC executive. And it's almost minute by minute stuff is happening. And I'm filing like crazy. I never left my hotel wow. room. Uh,
1: so you're getting constant
3: updates on this uh, almost in real time. Yeah, basically, Basically. And of course, I know I'm being massaged by two sides, you know. Right. Yes. And I know everybody and I know, you know, what kind of guy Gavin is, and what he tries to do. And I know and Jeff, who I trust totally. And I know he's going to be honest with me. And and a couple of the NBC people I knew well enough to say uh, their, Mark Raboff was was a guy I dealt with who was very straight with me. Mm-hmm. He was their head of business affairs. And they're all trying to say well, we think it'll work. NBC, we, we think it'll work. We think it'll work. And I'm hearing from Gavin, we're, we're going to blow the building up. We're going to blow the place apart. <laughs> right. You know, basically <laughs> right. it was sort of those two things. And then the manifesto comes out, and I'm like, well, I mean, this is uh, basically uh, you know Martin Luther uh, tacking <laughs> right. right. the thing right. to the to the church door or whatever. And there's no going back from that. So
1: right, I think Jeff Ross famously was just like all right, just think about it one more time before we hit the send button. Uh
3: Exactly. That's in the book. Him him standing up and saying, remember what you're doing. It's going to, you blow this up, it's blown up. And Conan walked out of the room saying, blow it up. That was his word, blow it up. And Mm -hmm. that's what happened. (laughs) It blows up. But uniquely, again, the same thing with Letterman in a way. He's on the air. He's off the air. Right. He's on the air. They're negotiating to pay him off and have him leave. And he's on the air for, I don't know, two weeks, was it, Mike, or something like that?
1: Another two weeks.
3: Just having a blast kicking the hell out yeah. of NBC.
1: Using
2: that budget.
1: Right. We were so focused and we had such a, a big piece of meat to to dig into comedically. hmm It all just gushed out. And yeah, he was... And I, I think Conan loves... He ha- he loves having a kind of an adversary to play against comedically, and mm-hmm. he he loves to go against authority yeah. comedically, and so this was well the ultimate
2: the man <laughs> set up yeah.
1: for that yeah yeah yeah.
3: <laughs> so it was great television, and int- interestingly, it was great television elsewhere because Letterman was going crazy. Letterman this. and Kimmel, and Kimmel were, was going yeah, Kimmel was going crazy with it yeah. You know, and Dave comes comes on and says, you know, if they g- take your show away. You know what you do? You quit. You don't. You don't hang around in the lobby and say, "I'll oh, be. Yeah, I'm down here in the lobby. Come and come pick me up." He, it was just amazing. Right. Those two weeks of television yeah. were just amazing. But I have to say, I'm watching it and I'm 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 laughing because Conan is fantastic. But I'm hurting for him too. You know, I was like, this is a, a guy whose dream has just been exploded. Right. At the end of this there's gonna be a crash. I just felt like it it was we can we can have our fun while we're on the air, but right. it was a bad thing to do to a human being right yeah, and that that's my feeling and and a talented human being can then create some laughs out of it, right, but it doesn't stop being a bad thing,
1: yeah, those last two weeks, yeah, it was amazing t v and the the final episode, you know, his final statement at the end of the show was.
2: Yeah, that I remember that. I mean, cuz I wasn't watching everything. Ha- I mean, all of this I'm honestly learning about from you Bill because I wasn't as involved in I didn't write for Conan yet. So, I right. just as a consumer, I didn't wasn't aware of all the ins and outs of the corporate decision making, but I definitely watched that la- that final episode and that was yeah. really, I mean, had an impact on people my age. It was like Everyone was quoting Conan's final speech and it was getting memed out and, you know, it was all over Twitter. And so that was a really, I think, kind of the beginning of of Conan's social media presence, too.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. He he started his Twitter account a week or two after that last episode. No, people still young. Yeah. People. Yeah. Jesse, your age. Mentioned that last show and that speech a lot. Where yeah, you, people
2: were getting tattoos of it. It was were, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Just
1: about don't be cynical. You know, being cynical. Is don't be cynical. Mm-hmm. One of the worst traits you can give into. And right, yeah. So, but you know what? After that, I forget who came up with the idea to do a tour, and because he wasn't allowed on TV for nine months. Right,
2: as part of the contract.
1: Yes, as part of the contract. So then someone had the idea it'll go on tour. And that's became the, you know, legally prohibited from being on television tour. Mm -hmm. He just threw himself right into that. And we started writing material for it. And before we knew it, we're out on this 42 city tour. So that was an amazing experience. Bill, I, I think you went to a lot of those shows.
3: I went to three of them. Mm-hmm. I went to the first one, which is in Oregon. Right, in Eugene, Oregon. Then I went to the one in L.A. and the one in New York.
1: And I'd always see you and I'd be like, "Oh, uh, that. He's the one who's caused
3: all this. I know it. <laughs> yeah. And now he's right I to the stirred book. The pot. I stirred the pot. <laughs> but I want to say, I want to say, yeah. before the tour, I interviewed Conan for the book, right? Uh-huh. And he was generous as always. And Jeff had said to me, well, you know, you probably need him for several times. So why don't you do like, an hour and ninety mm-hmm. minutes the first time, whatever. And I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. So I went over to his house and uh I hadn't seen him personally since he left the air. And he looked kind of haggard. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> he had grown his beard. Yeah. He gotten really thin. Yeah. Really, really thin. And uh he was a raw wound, to be honest. Yeah. Uh initially in that interview. So much so that um the first I'd say uh, a half hour forty five minutes, I just was like i'm not using any of this because it's not he's 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 just too viscerally mm-hmm. upset mm-hmm. about what happened to him, and it was understandable, and I'm like this is I know he doesn't want me to portray this this isn't right really him this is right. uh, it's like him processing something that just happened
1: yeah,
2: it, yeah. It,
3: absolutely, absolutely, so i said i I have to somehow switch this up and i so I just started to ask him about gardening, just how he sort of knew he was a funny person as a kid. And I, right. cause I knew I would do some biographical stuff. And, you know, we started to talk about him discovering this when he got to Harvard, you know, and, right. you know, going on stage for the first time and feeling this rush when somebody laughed at him, you know, like, right. and then he, that opened him up, like that made him, you know, feel like, Oh yeah, this is a good thing to talk right. about. You know? So, so we, I was there, at I'd say four or five hours. Oh I my mean, God.
1: You know, but that's, you know what, that sounds really healing. Like you helped kind of, well,
3: yeah, therapeutic. Kind of like that. I, I, I think that was important to get, have them yeah. get in touch. Yeah. We worked through all that. And, but then he got, you know, very specific, we had very specific about all mm-hmm. the details that all the things went on, which is what, right. what we wanted and all that. But you know, that, that raw emotion was not, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure someone would say, oh, you should have portrayed that. But I'm like, no, I don't think that's right. what you do. You don't take advantage right. of that when, when a guy's in that kind of frame of mind. And then I saw him in Eugene and he was tremendous. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. he was on fire again as, you know, as a performer. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that was, you know, gratifying to think he, he could come back like that. That was He
2: was doing his thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But I, but I think, I think it was a damaging thing to do to a talented guy and, you know, he have to, he have to dig deep and come back from that, which I right. think he did.
1: And well, you know what? I think for him, he was just used to everything working out and, <laughs> yeah, and I imagine taking over for Letterman like that and then, you know, facing all those hurdles and turning it into something incredible. I just don't think this computed like, and, and also the, sh- we were all in shock that, we were only given seven months because all the precedent was there was an understanding. You get you need time yeah. to grow yes. and mm-hmm. to
3: yes, and I think we all felt the same thing would happen that happened at twelve thirty. You know, yeah, exactly. There would be a period where it was rocky. It was not exactly what you were going to do, even though there were m- moments of brilliance, which is exactly what happened before. Right, and then people would start to settle in and there'd be something else that Conan did where people say, wow, look at that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it would be like, and his audience, which was the younger audience would fill in all these empty spots. Right. And you'd be a year, uh, 18 months in and all of a sudden people are saying, wow, Conan, Conan's really hitting his stride. Wow. Right. You can't miss Conan. You got to watch that show. That, I I mean, that would have almost inevitably occurred. Right. If they could have had the patience to, to take that. But, and I do think this is true, the network was not totally free. They had this revolt happening with these affiliates. In. It was a very, right. you know, it was a really bad situation. And it was obviously exacerbated by the J thing at 10 o'clock. If that would not have happened, they would have had no option but to say, let's, let's give it time, go and play out. Let's just give it time. Let's, let's let it play out. But they had a disaster they had to solve. And, you know, I think it's easy to say, well, the solution they came up with was designed to get rid of Conan. And I don't think so. I I don't think they meant it that way. They were just throwing spaghetti against the wall. Right. Yeah. And they were hoping. Yeah. They were hoping Conan would say, "Okay, it's bad, but I can I can tolerate this for another year or two. And then he'll go. Mm -hmm. Then he'll go. Right. And they presented it that way. And they presented that way to Jeff Ross. And Jeff said to NBC, oh, get out of here with that BS. They're going to have to carry Jay out toes up. Right. He's not going to walk out of this right, job. Right, of course. We now know that for sure. Right, right, you
1: know? right, right. So right. No, I, it's almost like Conan had to be in that situation. Someone had to just go, this is all insane. It's got, gotten so insane.
2: Yeah, it's like a bad breakup. I
1: have to speak up about it. Yeah, or the other it, person
2: just acts so badly that right, you're like, right, I, right, I, right. you know what? I'll just break up with myself then.
1: Right. <laughs> this is... No, I think that's why the public reaction was so overwhelming, because it had just gotten to this point of insanity mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, okay, Conan's finally going, okay, this is crazy and yeah. has to change
3: dramatically. What I was going to say is, of yes. course, I'm writing a book with more than one character, so I'm talking to Leno the whole time, right? Yes. Right. You know, his point was, why did they make this move on me to begin with? Right. Mm-hmm. I was winning. Why did they make this move? And it was a fair point.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Why am I being punished for yeah. doing what they asked? Right.
3: <laughs> Succeeding. Who, she, he kept saying, "Whoever in the history of television has taken the number one guy off the air? Mm-hmm. Right. For no reason. You know, that was completely understandable situation point of view. And then, of course, the thing he part of the reason he kind of went along with it was he didn't want to n- now be blamed as he was blamed. Right for denying Letterman.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Let's face it. Letterman had been a friend of his way, way different from Conan. They started in comedy together and, and he owed Dave, his career was in the dumper because he was not a favorite of Carson. Couldn't get on the show. And Dave put him on that 1230 show all the time. Right. And gave, gave him a profile. So he owed Dave his career. Honest to God. Right. He owed him his career. On on television. On television. Yeah. So, that That's why he was constantly portrayed as Brutus or somebody, you know, or a guy who stabbed someone in the back. Right. You know, he would open to me and say, I don't, I just don't want that to happen again. I can't, I don't want that to happen again. And damn, if it didn't happen again. Mm-hmm. And worse. It was worse the second time. Right. Because, you know, you had you had basically people saying, you know, the guy had the job and he took his job away. You know, like. you. Right. And,
1: Essentially. And, and
3: I think he was, he was. Also damaged by the process. He was damaged by this process. But, of course, he would constantly make the point, again, fair point, that when he f- finally got the Tonight Show again, he went back to number one. He did get it back to number one. So, you know, that was what he lived for. Now, the fact remains, and I uh, I think this was also predictable, is that, you know, people don't talk about Jay Leno's Tonight Show. They don't talk about what he did with the Tonight Show. right. He was a very effective host who did the job perfectly fine, but he didn't add to late night, didn't make it fresh and new. And we did this documentary about the history of late night and you just didn't hear people saying, well, you know, you couldn't miss Jay Leno or whatever. Whereas people like Letterman and Conan constantly were referred to as the innovators, the people who young people in college couldn't miss They had to watch it because he he was doing things they didn't believe anybody had ever done before. And in the end, that's that's kind of your legacy. The, the, The ratings are not really a legacy. The ratings are are financially important for the for the corporation, but they're not particularly important for your career. Right. Except you make a lot of money. But
2: yeah, that's well put.
1: Yeah. I mean, when Conan wrapped up his TBS show. All these, you know, like Seth Rogen and, and Jack and Jack Black and all these other Will Ferrell, all these other really great comics, Bill Hader, they all came out and said, you know what, we grew up watching you. Yes, it, it was like a touchstone for us, comedy wise. And I had never even thought about all that, and it was. I, I do think that is like such a great. Reward for for yeah, and also a great um, affirmation as to what kind of work you you'd been doing all that time.
3: You know, the, that's exactly the pattern of Letterman, Conan, and Jimmy Kimmel. Grew up watching Dave; that was their guy, right? Right. He, he was their guy, mm-hmm. and the next generation of people like that, Conan was their guy, mm-hmm. right? And and that is a great thing to to live on when you know you're in a new stage of your career, or whatever. Right. Right. Or even. Toward the end of your career when you're not active anymore. But when you're in it, you want to win it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It certainly killed Letterman that he was losing to Leno. It killed him. He didn't like it at all. Yeah. He hated it.
1: But he said in hindsight, right, that he's like, why did I... I would say obsessed with that. Well,
2: yeah. Now looking back, all the obsession with airtimes and ratings, right. it doesn't
3: hold up. It's all over now. Yeah. That's all it gone. It all yeah. seems so yeah. antiquated. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's antiquated. It's crazy. But damn, it was fun when it was going on. <laughs> oh my God.
1: It really, like in hindsight now, it seems like someone constructed this small, tight little world and then you put... You put these players in it yes. and they had to fight their way out out of this box. You it was, know? Yes, it was mm-hmm.
3: like a video game. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was an early yeah. video game. And right. try, try to survive, try not to get killed. Yes.
1: <laughs> and I also think another part of the early, you know, this whole five-year plan and what's going on. I mean, Jeff Zucker, who is the head of NBC, was like such a salesman that I think I feel like he was probably always massaging everyone going, it's going to be great. It's all going to work out. Yeah, he was. Hey. Which is what you do. I mean, you think that was good. Now it's Jay at 10 and Conan at 1130.
3: That's when you're a corporate guy, not a comedian. That's what you do. Right. You, you, you do that sort of thing. And and we talked to Jeff in this in a late night uh, documentary, and all credit to him for, for doing it. I mean, because he took a lot of brick bats, you know, uh, from various sides. But he said, and it's certainly true, he said, what is absolutely true is... He, he, despite all the mess at the end, he had five years with Conan and uh, at 1230 and Jay at 1130, absolutely kicking ass and making a fortune Mm -hmm. for that. network. Yeah,
1: that was kicking a can down the road. You
3: know what I mean? But well, except his point was he would have lost Conan. Right. He would have lost Conan five years earlier if he hadn't done that. And yes, that's true. It just was, as I said, it just pushed the problem yeah, to the to push end. A problem it the, the problem to the end. Yeah. Because I don't care who you are. You cannot make two go into one. It does. No. It's going to fail every time. Yeah. Right.
2: I can't wait for them to try it again in 10 years. <laughs>
3: well, but, but that's the thing. It, it won't happen again because nobody cares what time anything's on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the other thing is, you know, I mean, I, there are too many late night shows. Let's face it. Yes. Right. It's just too many. So how do you stand out and how do you, you know, I mean, they're, they're still good. Many of them are very good. I, I, I don't right. think but, you can fault the talent. The talent is terrific.
1: But, Bill, what do you think now? Because there's streaming, and streaming's growing, and everyone's yeah. saying streaming's the future, but people are saying, oh, topical talk shows don't mm-hmm. work on streaming. People don't. I
3: agree and with meanwhile, that. Meanwhile,
1: broadcast is keeps shrinking. So- is it going to
3: go back to, like, just very few late-night shows? That's what I think. Mm. Yes. That's what I think, Mike. Yeah. If you had two guys in late-night, or a guy and a woman would be better. But let's say you had... Or both women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just trying to get laid. I don't want to I don't want to be prejudiced to anybody. But right. two or three shows, they'd still get traction, I think, because at the end of the day, you still may say, I want to hear what Colbert says about this. You know? Right. There's still an audience for some of that. Yeah. And if they weren't diffused all over the place, right. you might concentrate enough. Yeah. Now I may be crazy, I may be wrong because once streaming completely takes over and you have a generation that likes to play games or whatever, you know, they may not even have the TV on. So you you know, whether or not they know there's going to be a show at 11:30 is is open to question. But uh I've always thought that the format is incredibly facile. I mean, they, you know Steve Steve Allen started this thing in 1954, for God's sake, right? Mm-hmm. It worked because you, if you have a very talented person, it's a, it's a fairly easy thing to do. I mean, it's hard to write good material, we know, from, from you guys. But <laughs> but uh, if you have a funny person, if you have a funny host, <laughs> then you bring on some people that other people want to see. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you have to really do. You don't have to yeah. do a heck of a lot more than that. Right. And it doesn't cost a lot. I one of the emphasis I made in the late shift was uh, Steve Allen's first producer was debate. His name is Jules Green. And he said, you know, uh, we can't have a thing where we got to pay Frank Sinatra, you know, 10 grand to come on. And we got to pay. So. So our rule is everybody gets minimum. Right. Every, I don't care who it is. You know, it could be a, some author you never heard of or some juggler. Or it can be Frank Sinatra. They get, I think it was 200 bucks at the time. Right. And that made all the difference because they didn't have to compete. I mean, imagine if when Letterman and Letterman were going crazy, people would say, well, I'll pay you this. I'll pay, this, right. I'll pay Will Farrell twice that amount. Right. You right. know, so, so it set up a system where those costs were fixed. You had to have a staff. You had to have a host. You had five days of advertising. Big, a lot of time, a lot of money could come in. It could work very, very well, and it did. I mean, when Carson was on top, he was making oh, way over a hundred million dollars in profit for NBC. Wow, just that show. So, wow.
2: Yeah, and all that cross promotion that they're doing with other, you know, getting celebrities from other shows. Absolutely. On and, yeah, they, it makes they, sense. they want to promote for... their
3: movies, and they mm-hmm. want. It, it, there's something about the format that makes sense. Yes. Right. But I. But Mike is right at streaming. How do you do that when you can watch the thing? Three weeks later, mm-hmm. you know, three weeks later, the movie's out of the theaters. Right. You know, so. Yeah.
2: And especially now that all the celebrities are going on, you know, every single show. So you're seeing the same person kind of tell the same version of different same stories. Anecdotes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. Well, we've had a nice long chat, haven't we?
2: We have. Thank you, Bill. This
1: was fantastic. Bill, we can't thank you enough. It was great. I enjoyed it.
2: And I hope they still go and read, you know, both of your books about late night. They should.
3: Here it is, folks. Yes, there, Hold it up. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> the for late night. If you liked the stories we were telling today, there's more in here. yeah even more.
2: Oh
1: my God! I never read it when it came out because I was like, uh, no, it's too close. No, no. <laughs> you're I, in it, I, It's too close. And I, re- yeah, I'm reading it now, and I, it's like, wow, it's a fantastic read. It, it is really. Thank you. It is so tightly woven and so dramatic. You I feel like you can't there. put it down. Yeah. That's my goal, and I, I love. All the perspectives, it's you get the full picture uh, of everyone involved. It's it's really compelling. And it it is really written like a great drama.
3: Thanks. That that was my goal. And and, uh, you did it. I've had a blast. I've enjoyed it. I had a blast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much, Bill. And thanks for for doing the heavy lifting for us.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Anytime.
1: Thank you, Bill, for joining us.
2: Yes, thank you. We actually recorded... For two hours with Bill, but... Yes. We cut it down to only the very best... Yeah. 112 minutes.
1: Exactly. And then (laughs) we started talking about antiquing, and we really went off track, so... (laughs) You got the best of the best.
2: And hey, if you like our show, and I hope you do, you can support us by rating Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast on iTunes, and leaving us a review. Don't be shy. It could even just be an emoji. Just leave one skull emoji. No, two skull emojis, and we'll know that that means you liked it.
1: You know what? Any emoji you leave, we will interpret as you really love us.
2: As positive, yes. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Eggplants, frowning, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You found something to love.
2: Yes, there's something for everybody here. And we still want your listener questions, even though we didn't have time this week. Please submit them. You can call us at 323-209-5303 or email us insideconanpod at gmail.com.
1: Yeah, we, we've gotten a lot of great questions, we didn't, ha- we didn't have time this week, so uh, next week. But we week,
2: will next week.
1: Yeah, maybe it'll be all uh, fan questions. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fine by me.
2: But you know what? We love you anyway. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell.
1: Produced by Sean Doherty... Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne.
2: Executive produced by Joanna Solotarov, Adam Sachs, and
1: Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton.
2: Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis.
1: Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials.
2: You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.
1: And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Or whatever platform you like best.
3: It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat, it's the Conan Show. Try on some spats, you're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf, it's Conan! This has been a Team Coco production.
0: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places?